Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host as always, Josh Larkey, joined by my co-host, Ryan Reynolds. We're going to get right down to it. We will be previewing every game up ahead of the NFL Week 2. Let's let's start with Thursday night, Ryan. We've got Vikings at Eagles. And if I'm looking right now at the, the game total, it's it's a pretty healthy one. We, the game total is at 49. A lot of points are expected to be scored. And the Eagles are favored by six points, nearly a touchdown. For fantasy football, I'm looking at this running back room specifically. DeAndre Swift, I have ranked as my RB25. I've got Rashad Penny at RB39. I think that's the hierarchy that we should have. All sports books have a similar hierarchy where DeAndre Swift, his betting line has more carries. His betting line has more rush yards and receiving yards. He has a receiving line, whereas Penny doesn't. And then the other thing I'll mention is I understand everyone out there is very frustrated with Dallas Goddard, who was one of many goose eggs in week one. He didn't give you any fantasy points. He only had one target. However, he ran the same number of routes as AJ Brown. Stay the course. The the Vikings are an incredible defense to target here. I have Dallas Goddard as my tight end six. Ryan, talk to me about what you're looking for in the Eagles side of things for Thursday night. Well, you know, First of all, the, the spreads come down from Eagles minus seven over the last 24 hours. I, I thought that was kind of curious considering that center Garrett Bradbury's out for Minnesota. You know, we already saw that Jalen Carter's a difference maker last week. Jordan Davis is a monster. So there's a significant advantage in the interior for the Eagles defensive line. And then left tackle Christian Darasaw is a little banged up too. So uh, the Eagles have a significant trench advantage in this contest. And then the other thing I'm looking for is, you know, Joe Banner, who hired Howie Roseman. The Eagles philosophy macro philosophy on offenses throw early to run late and be very curious to see how the Vikings secondary handles AJ Brown specifically. Speaking of 33rd team co-founder, uh, former NFL, uh, GM type, uh, Joe Banner. He has a, a new podcast out that he does with two of the guys over at PFF and that dropped today. And they actually detailed how the Eagles built such an incredibly well-rounded and strong team. Now, if we look at the Viking side, what I'm looking for in fantasy is to see if Jordan Addison surpasses KJ Osborne with routes run. He ran fewer routes than Osborne in week one. That's not surprising. And Addison still outproduced him, which is also not surprising. He's a much better player. Addison's moved up my rankings for week two, despite this being a tougher matchup. And I would actually expect him to see the field slightly more than Osborne in this one, where the Vikings go, wow, the, this guy was awesome in week one. Why would we have him on the field significantly less for a very important game in week two. What else are you looking at here on the, the Viking side of things? You know, related to that trench play disadvantage, you know, expecting a short, quick game in the passing game. I think it goes through TJ Hawkinson more than anyone else. If you're going to point out a weakness in the Eagles defense, it's linebacker TJ Edwards is in Chicago. Dakota Dean's out. So see Hawkinson seeing, you know, he's already seeing great usage, but I could see that stabilizing in this matchup. Yes, I, I think that's a, that's a, an excellent point there. Now, before we keep going, as many of you know, this show is sponsored by my bookie. I'm going to give ourselves a little pat on the back. Ryan found the prop. I found the line on my bookie. We, we hit Brock Purdy under 237 and a half passing yards last week. That hit pretty comfortable. And boy, does it feel good when a prop hits by a couple dozen yards if you're not familiar with the platform, just go to mybookie.com. Use promo code 33rdteam. You get a 10% deposit match. So if you put in $200, you get $220 in your account. That is what I personally did myself. 
and we'll be looking for more of these these lines discrepancies because as anyone out there that's a serious better knows line shopping is one of the most important parts so mybookie.com promo code 33rd team add it to your rotation now let's let's turn to some sunday games ryan we've got ravens at Bengals. this one's exciting and the Oh, I, I thought I had the, the game line pulled up. Apparently, I don't. I, I got you. I got you covered, Josh. Help me, help me out. The, I don't know the, where the, it just went. The, the Bengals moved from minus three to minus three and a half earlier today. I believe the total is settled in at 46 and a half currently at most locations. Thank you. I'm going to have to figure out where the, those went. I guess my my screen refreshed. Yeah, so happens, I, I, Anyway, I, th- I think one of the, the big factors in this game is going to be improved quarterback play where – Last week, we saw Joe Burrow throw for 82 yards against the Browns. And last week, we saw Lamar Jackson. So exciting. Todd Monk in offense. Oh, my goodness. He throws for barely over 150 yards on only 22 pass attempts. Ryan, do you think both quarterbacks will improve in this week two matchup, despite still having like fairly competent defenses on both ends here? Yes, I do. And, you know, I'll explain why. Against Cleveland, top 10 pass rush, maybe even higher than that after week one. Maybe we had them a little low. Um, and the secondary, especially on the perimeter, was fantastic. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, two of the maybe the best wide receiver doing in the league, didn't create a whole lot of separation. Baltimore's down there starting safety and Marcus Williams. Humphrey's questionable still, who's their top corner. And their pass rush is nowhere near in the league of the Browns unless they bring heat. And if you bring heat against Joe Burrow, he can carve you up. Last year, Burrow didn't really exceed 200 yards much in any of his three matchups against Baltimore. But the previous year, he went over 400 once and over 500 the second time. There's certainly ceiling there. And on the other side of things, you know, Lamar Jackson, I'm not a big proponent of the idea that he's a wonderful pocket passer. I think he's a tremendous weapon that can carry an offense on his back as he has throughout his whole career to this point. And, you know, if, if the Bengals offense comes out hot, Jackson can keep up with him. So I think this game has some considerable high scoring potential. I like the sound of that, and that's always good for fantasy. More more points scored, more touchdowns. Joe Mixon, he didn't do much in week one. I mean, let's be honest, none of the Bengals did, but we do like the usage. 13 to 17 running back carries went to him, five of six running back targets. He's kind of the sneakiest potential bell cow out there, I think, in many ways, where assuming the, the Bengals offense is competent, he's going to be a major beneficiary. And then I'm going to give you guys my, my trade of the week. T. Higgins had eight targets to Jamar Chase's nine. He didn't catch anything. That's probably not going to happen each week. I would go out right now, and if you have Garrett Wilson on your team, I would try and flip him for T. Higgins straight up. And I think a lot of fantasy managers would do that. I'm very concerned with this Jets offense, and I remember not being super in on T. Higgins early this offseason. And then I dug into the numbers more, and I remember Ryan and I were surprised by this. If you look at the games where T. Higgins didn't leave due to injury, last year and two years ago, he paced for 1,300 receiving yards in both those seasons. So T. Higgins is one of those players where things just haven't really broken right. They didn't break right in week one, but we know that the potential is there for a truly difference-making fantasy wide receiver one type season. When we look at Baltimore, I don't have either of their running backs in my top 32 for my fantasy rankings. Those are free on the 33rdteam.com. Make sure you check those out. Dobbins is out for the season with the Achilles. Justice Hill and Gus Edwards both had eight carries last week. Hill, surprisingly, had all four red zone carries and both goal line attempts. He's about 40 pounds lighter than Edwards. I don't know if that continues, 
Hill was also the preferred option when it came to routes run. I have Hill slightly ahead of Edwards. Would not shock me if I flipped those ahead of week three. And we realize that Edwards is once again the goal line back. So I, I'd say if you're cautious like I am, probably not a strong start for either of them in week two. And then when it comes to Baltimore receivers, Mark Andrews should return. He was limited in practice last week and he sat, I think because they played the Texans. Zay Flowers is really at this point the only Baltimore receiver I'm interested in. Ten targets, three targets for OBJ, three targets for Rashad Bateman. Neither of them did anything. I, I don't think there's going to be room for much more than Mark Andrews plus one. And that one through week one starts to look like the rookie Zay Flowers. Any further comments before we move on to our next game, Ryan? One thing I'll say about Cincinnati's defense, actually, it's two things. They've been well coached for years, but Jesse Bates is in Atlanta now. And if Deshaun Watson didn't skip five or six throws to wide open receivers last week, the score would have actually been worse. So I could see the Bengals' defense getting lit up a little bit this week. That's a good call. Now let's turn to Seahawks at Lions. Another healthy game total, 47 and a half. The Lions are five-point favorites coming off a big win against the Chiefs and a God, a, a massive letdown by the Seahawks. Ryan, I'm going to frame this in many ways as the most important game of the year to know who the real Geno Smith is. Can the real Geno Smith please stand up? What did you see out of him last week? I know it was terrifying. And is there any hope for, for week two? Yeah, I've said this a few times now. The Rams blowing out the Seahawks was my biggest surprise week one, particularly the Seahawks offense just not taking advantage of a Rams defense that's filled with, you know, unknown entities to a, to a point. I agree with I, I agree with your stance here. Like Detroit's a solid but not exactly exceptional defense. So with their weapons, they should be able to do some things. That said, one major concern here. Seattle might be down one, if not both, of their offensive tackles. Those are the strength. That's the strength of their offensive line. And as we've talked about this before, Josh, you're a quarter sacks or a quarterback stat. In order for me to contest that, I have to completely ignore the existence of Geno Smith because most of the sacks that Geno Smith takes are on him. He's not very good in the money pocket. Super concerned about that this week. Yeah, I'm concerned too. I I would start Geno Smith again right now. We'll we'll see what's going on with the health of their tackles later in the week. I have him tentatively at quarterback 12. I'm just hoping last week was the nightmare game. Uh, this is not the best comparison, but I think just to show how unpredictable football can be. I remember uh, two years ago when Urban Meyer was coaching the Jaguars and they beat the Bills. That happened. Like, we, we can have crazy games. I hope we look back and say, wow, the Seahawks getting blown out by the Rams was simply one of those games. A positive note for the Seahawks because there's nothing positive to take away from that pass game from week one is Kenneth Walker was a workhorse. 12 carries to Zach Charbonnet's three. And he ran 16 routes to Zach Charbonnet's seven and had five targets. Zero targets for Zach Charbonnet. Your call that, that Kenneth Walker is going to be the, the workhorse, assuming he stays healthy, is looking very good through one week. I have him as a top 10 fantasy running back this week. Jackson Smith and Jigbo was not part of two receiver sets. Do not start him yet in fantasy football. And Jameer Gibbs should be started in week two. I have him as a borderline top 20 option at running back in this game. Simply because he had 60 yards on nine touches. All indications are they're going to give him more work. And then the, the sneaky receiver start this week is Detroit Lions' Josh Reynolds. Flex him if you want. 20% target share in week one. Second in routes run on the team. He actually led the team with 80 receiving yards. I, I'm in Ross St. Brown's the clear receiver one. But I think Josh Reynolds occasionally will have 
a similar or better fantasy day, given that he's going to be used a little bit more downfield. Any other comments on this game before we turn to our next one? No, I mean, especially after one week, I don't want to re- overreact to anything. So I think it's very important to understand that, like, yes, going into Kansas City on opening night and winning is a wonderful, wonderful thing for the Lions. I don't hate Detroit. In fact, last year I had a Dan Campbell Coach of the Year bet. I liked them before most people did. But here's the reality of the situation of that game. They only scored 14 points of offense last week. Seven of those points came off a Kadarius Tony brutal, brutal drop that was returned for a touchdown. The defense was the defense was more of a factor in that victory. The Chiefs were down their two best players, not named Patrick Mahomes. You know, the thing here, the thing here is though, is if Seattle's down both of their offensive tackles again, that defense could be a factor once more this week. Guys, nobody talks about football like Ryan Reynolds. He's watched every snap of every game since 2014, and he still lives to tell about it. Give him a follow at Ryan Reynolds NFL. And you can catch all of his game previews on the 33rdteam.com. They're free to view. He's already got about half a dozen of them up on the site right now. So make sure that you're checking those out. It'll make you a more informed fan. Regardless, if you bet, play fantasy football, just enjoy to watch the games. Reading how he's viewing it, where Ryan gives his path for each team to fail and succeed in each matchup. Incredibly insightful stuff. Let's turn now to Colts at Texans. Game totals low, 39 points. The The spread is Texans by one and a half at home. So essentially Vegas thinks these teams are, are pretty similar. Two rookie quarterbacks. What did you see from Anthony Richardson in his debut last week, Ryan? I mean, the first takeaway is oddly, uh, <clears throat> oddly has nothing to do with him. He'd benefit greatly from a better running game. Jonathan Taylor being yes. out, I saw dividends immediately with that, especially for a young guy like this that's developing. I hope he, I hope he's able to play as soon as week five. But, you know, I've always viewed R- Richardson as a very high-ceiling player, super athlete, as we know. He was much better as a passer than I think even I expected in opening day. A lot of encouraging things that said the Colts, his supporting cast is, you know, mediocre if we're being kind. Yeah, the I, I've already pretty much taken an L on Richardson where I told you not to start him in week one. That was clearly wrong. was a little lower on him than many this offseason. That's a take that we will keep revisiting. I will not take L's for any other weeks aside from week one. <laughs> one concerning thing, though, with Richardson, I agree. He actually looked better as a passer than I expected, but a hallmark of him in college was he didn't take sacks. He took four sacks in week one. He actually came out of the game during one of their goal line attempts because of an injury where Minshew had to come in. And I think we're just going to be a little bit worried about the the injury risk with him throughout the season, especially if he's going to take more sacks than he did in college. Other Colts, I would start Michael Pittman. 11 targets last week, 30% target share. I don't think the volume is going to be there each week, but if you're getting a 30% target share, that that's uh, about as good as it gets in the NFL. And then at running back, I mean, man, Deion Jackson had great usage. Carried 13 times, got a lot of targets, but 14 rushing yards on those 13 carries. He coughed up a, a fumble, if I remember correctly. And I, I think Zach Moss, who is now fully healthy, is going to start over him. I think Deion Jackson's a borderline drop at this point in fantasy. Or if someone in your league loved the usage, they love the, 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 the one yard per carry, flip him for, for literally anything because I would pretty much drop him at this point. And then when it comes to the, the on the other side of the ball, the Texans, Damian Pierce did not have a great week one, but he's my RB 16 this week because the Colts are a much easier matchup. He was a true workhorse with carries with routes run for those that are like, wow, Mike Boone got a lot of work. Yes. 
when the game was out of hand in the fourth quarter, when they're getting blown out by the Ravens, Mike Boone legally was allowed to come in. That does not affect the fantasy points from Pierce in this one. This should be a much closer matchup. And then the last guy I'll mention is Nico Collins. He had 11 targets, which was a 25% target share last week. And he had 158 air yards. That was one of the highest marks among all receivers last year. Six catches, 80 yards. Anytime you get 14 fantasy points without getting in the in the end zone, I'm going to say that's a great fantasy day. And I think uh, we're allowed to start him once again in week two. Any final thoughts before we we move on here? First, that's Jay Larky tweets. The, the Texans defense really impressed me last week. They, like you said before, they limited Lamar Jackson under 200 yards passing. No one really had a great running game against Houston. And more importantly, they got pressure at a much greater clip than I was anticipating for the Texans offense. Their offensive line was a strength heading into the offseason. They've gone through a litany of injuries. They're in a mess in that situation. Both of their starting safeties are on the injury report as well. And for the Colts, going back to that pass rush for Houston, Quentin Nelson's on the injury report. Their right tackle's on the injury report. Otherwise, they're pretty clean. And the final thing I'll say is this. Colts secondary was pretty rough on the perimeter last week. Houston doesn't really have a great matchup uh, in that regard. Like you said, Nico Collins had big usage, so he's your best shot. But you know, I, I expect this game to be lower scoring in nature in most scenarios. Let's turn now to the the Bears at the, the Buccaneers. This is another one where I had the lineup and now it disappeared. I've got it back. Here we go. The, the game totals 40 and a half. Another very low scoring game. Well, we'll get to a couple high scoring ones shortly. Don't worry. And the, the Buccaneers are favored by two and a half points after upsetting the Vikings and having the Bears get destroyed by what I think many of us thought would be a pretty subpar Packers team. Now, if we look at Justin Fields, uh, we mentioned this on Monday. We're going to mention it again. Justin Fields has to improve as a passer. For fantasy, I think he's still fine. He ran nine times last week. That's about as good as he gets a quarterback. With DJ Moore, he's a mid-range fantasy wide receiver. Three for me this week. Guys, he had two targets. 5% target share last week. We love that Justin Fields attempted 37 passes when he never attempted even 30 passes in any game last year. But, I mean, if that's two targets for DJ Moore, how, how do you have this shiny new toy all offseason and not know how to use him at all in week one? Buccaneers are a little bit of an easier matchup, but still, mid-range receiver three. He's technically the receiver one in a terrible passing offense. I'm not going to start any Bears running backs. Please don't start Roshan Johnson. I know, I know, he had 17 fantasy points. But almost all of that was in the fourth quarter. It was exceptional usage. He's a great uh, bench stash. Should he take over for Khalil Herbert? Should Khalil Herbert get hurt? But uh, for week two, I've seen people asking me, truly, like they're like, hey, should I start him? No, we, we are not ready to start Roshan Johnson. And then if we turn to the, the Bucks, I mean, Rashad White's usage was incredible. He was on the field for 54 snaps. Sean Tucker was on the field for 10 snaps. Chase Edmonds is, yes, he's still there. He was on the field for eight snaps. This is the Rashad White show. He might lose the job during the season, but each week that he doesn't, he's going to have some pretty outrageous volume. So I think Rashad White, we, we are going to be starting him again in what should be a pretty easy matchup. And then we should probably start Godwin and Evans the it's clear the pass game funnels through them and they're they're lucky they had the bad viking secondary in week one and they get the bad bear secondary in week two that was just lit up by jordan love without christian watson playing in that contest talk to me about justin fields and jordan love in this matchup 
Um, you know, I don't really have any positive takeaways from the Bears last week. <laughs> they didn't like their offensive play calling. Their defense was genuinely concerning. That said, we saw this a number of times last year. I could see Justin Fields just simply carrying this game against a Buccaneers team that exceeded expectations last week. To hit the touch on them real quick, their defense is the strength of the team. They went up into Minnesota and only gave up 17 points. It's a great outing. On offense, though, Baker Mayfield supposedly knew the Vikings' adjustments on defense, yet his offense only scored 20 points against a team that got shredded yeah. <laughs> by Daniel Jones twice last year, by Mac Jones, 382 yards on Thanksgiving night. I'm not sure that's something to be bragging about in this scenario, but I could I could see the Bears sneaking a win this week in this contest. Yeah, I thought it was very funny that he's bragging about knowing the plays, and it's like, you, you won this game because of your defense. Mm-hmm. Let's turn... To a game, I hinted we're going to have some high-scoring ones. Here we go. Chiefs at Jaguars. Game totals 51. There we go. We hit the five. Yeah. We got we got a good number. That's exciting for fantasy. And the, the spread is Chiefs minus three and a half. Got a little half in there because uh, I think Travis Kelsey is probably going to play in this one. Now, this looks like the ultimate bounce-back spot where – the Chiefs' offense didn't look great. They 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 didn't they didn't have Travis Kelsey. That's that's pretty bad. We saw what these receivers look like. It's pretty clear this is the Travis Kelsey show whenever he's healthy. They also get Chris Jones back, which is very nice on their defensive line. I'm not going to start any Chiefs receivers, nor am I going to start any Chiefs running backs in fantasy. The usage was extremely spread out. I, I've detailed that in a few places already. Talked about it last week. If we turn to the Jaguars. I'm going to mention it again. I'm still concerned about Christian Kirk, but I'm not starting him. I'm not dropping him. We're going to give it one more week. Christian Kirk did not play in two receiver sets. That was Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. He also played significantly less than Evan Engram. He also had fewer targets even than Travis Etienne. He was kind of their fifth option last week in the past game. I think that should improve. He shredded the Chiefs last year out of the slot. And then when it comes to fantasy running backs, Travis Etienne looked great. I know that that both goal line rushes went to Tank Bigsby. That's a little bit annoying. But still, 18 carries for Travis Etienne. He scored. He's, he's explosive. He's got the big playability. And he had a career high in the NFL. Five targets last week. He caught all of them. He ran 90% of the running back routes. Bigsby barely ever was allowed to run a route. That is very, very good for Etienne. We love the 21 fantasy points from last week. My expected fantasy points model thought he should have scored 16. So he overperformed a little bit, but we should expect that most weeks. It's a great offense. And ETN is incredibly fast. Talk to me about how you expect the, the Jags receivers to do, if there's any hope for Christian Kirk, and how you're viewing this game as a bounce back for the Chiefs. Yeah, Kirk blew up the Chiefs twice last year. You know, they struggled against slot receivers all all season last year. So if he's gonna if he's gonna take a step forward, this is a good matchup for him. Um, one, one thing that I've been thinking about with this contest is I think the Jaguars might actually have a better roster than the Chiefs at this point, which is very interesting considering Tr- Trevor Lawrence is starting to ascend. One thing I'm looking for here is Jaguars rookie right tackle R- R- Anton Harrison looked a little bit exploitable last week. I think George Karloftis could make a bit of an impact here. Um, and, you know, on the other side of things, like you said, the Chiefs often struggled last week, but they had eight, their pass catchers at eight drops. Maybe they get Travis Kelsey back, who had wild, wild volume against Jacksonville last year. So, like you said, I think this is an obvious classic correction spot for Patrick Mahomes. Problem is you get Trevor Lawrence on the other side. Yeah, I'll mention, I'm not even a big film guy. Uh, Yeah. When you watch that Chiefs-Lions game, the the rookie tackle, Juwan Taylor, where was he? He was like a yard and a half behind the line of scrimmage. 
like lined up like very illegally throughout the game. Not yeah. sure why that wasn't called, but uh, when I dug into it, it seems I forget who the ref was, but apparently that ref has always been very lenient. Other refs are not going to be nearly as lenient. I don't think he's going to be allowed an extra two yards of cushion. So yeah. I agree. That's, that's definitely a, a matchup to watch. Turning now to Packers at Falcons. Game totals low, 40 and a half. We're not excited about that. The Falcons are one and a half point favorites. Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Packers open as favorites in this one? I feel like I remember seeing that somewhere. Do you remember top of your head? Yeah, if yeah. Not, we'll I, move on. I think so. I, th- I actually think the Falcons are a slight home underdog. So yeah, I, I think they did. Yes, I was going to say, I think the Packers opened minus one and a half. It has now flipped by three points to the Falcons one and a half. I'm reading that line straight from mybookie.com, promo code 3013. Now with the Packers, Christian Watson doesn't look like he's going to play again. He hasn't practiced all week again with the hamstring injury. Aaron Jones might sit as well. He has the hamstring injury. He hasn't practiced at all this week. I would scoop AJ Dillon off waivers if he's out there in a shallow league. I'm not super interested personally in starting Romeo Dobbs, even if Christian Watson misses. We love that he scored two touchdowns. We hate that he had just five targets, which was the same as rookie receiver Jaden Reed. Uh, Round two rookie receiver Marvin Mims was supposed to start as well last week. Same draft capital as Jaden Reed. Mims ran 10 routes, didn't do anything. So the fact that Jaden Reed is already having the same amount of targets as Romeo Dobbs was very concerning to me. I don't. I just don't love this passing offense. The Falcons, I think, are going to hold them in check much more than the Bears did. What do you have to say about the, this Packers offense for this matchup? Yeah, I mean, Jordan Love was good. Have to be encouraged there. Granted, like you said, he was playing a Bears defense that you know was literally problematic and worrisome going forward. Falcons are massively improved this offseason. Jesse Bates already made an impact. Pass rush is much better. And you know, one thing I'll say here too is the Packers defense really impressed me last last week. You know. That last season, I went into the year thinking this is one of the more talented groups in the league. You know, really good pass rush, really good secondary, very good linebackers. They really have very, very top-end players at every level. So it was good to see them come out and play a strong game. And, you know, they could give Atlanta's what, – what's the word we're looking for here, Josh? Limited passing attack, some serious limited. problems in this contest. Yeah. Yeah, so about that limited passing attack – Desmond Ritter attempted 18 passes for 115 yards. His average throw depth was three and a half yards. That's pitiful. He also ran just once. You should not be playing Drake London in fantasy football. I wouldn't drop him, but I I think he's actually like, he's kind of teetering on like, oh, should we drop Drake London? I mean, one target and this whole offense just stinks passing. I still have Kyle Pitts as a low end fantasy tight end one. He led the team in receiving last week, but again, uh, when you lead the team in receiving and there's 115 total pass yards, your day's not great either. At least he's tight end eligible. Bijan Robinson's a great play. Fire him up, of course. With Tyler Algier, I'm a little bit concerned with Cordell Patterson potentially returning this week. I still think he's a, a flex play in this matchup. He had great usage, though I will warn you, for anyone out there going, wow, Tyler Algier was the goal line back. No, he wasn't. Bijan Robinson simply was rested in the fourth quarter. They blew out the Panthers. All of Algiers' goal line carries pretty much. All of his good usage was coming in that fourth quarter. So I I think everyone should keep that in mind. And you can start him, but I I wouldn't expect anything close to what we saw last week. Any final thoughts on this game before we turn to what should be a very high-scoring matchup? First, the question, do you think the Falcons are going to finish the year as this league's most run-centric offense? 
So I, I would have said it would be the Colts going into the season with the, the Falcons in like the top five. After week one, I'm confidently saying the Falcons are going to have the, the most run-heavy offense in the league. Is that where you're standing after week one? Yeah, yeah. My, my thought here is that I think Algiers' role is going to kind of stabilize here. I think they actually have enough volume based on what they plan to do mm-hmm. offensively for both of these guys to see, you know, 14-plus touches every week. What I liked is that they put them both in the roles that they belong in. Algiers is a good grinder back. Bijan Robinson's versatile as can be. How some of the some of the passing game plays they drew up for him were very encouraging. Uh, you know, again, the passing attack is I don't know what they're doing there, but their run game very very encouraging. So I don't have the stats on this. I'm going to assume it's never happened before that a a team's two highest fantasy scorers would be both running backs. Like Bijan and Algier are like comfortably outscored Ritter and all the receivers. I don't think that's ever happened for a full season, and we're officially on watch one weekend where. <laughs> Like this team kind of looks like that might happen. Anyway, let's turn to a high scoring game. All right. We, we might have more passing yards in the, the Raiders going on the road to face the Buffalo bills. The game totals 47. We like that. The bills are eight and a half point favorites, which probably means Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to pass the ball a little more than he did last week against the Broncos. The, the big news out of the Raiders. I don't, I don't need to say anything that we don't know, but we, we start Jacobs. We start Adams. We're starting Jacoby Myers if he plays. He was concussed in week one, but I mean, man, oh man, Jacoby Myers had 10 targets. He caught nine for 81 yards and two touchdowns. He had three targets in the red zone. He had two targets in the end zone. I I couldn't believe how good he looked. And we saw this in New England. He was always a a 20 to 25% target share guy. If we're getting that with the Raiders, where it's a big two with him and Adams, that's very exciting that we have one more receiver option that we can start each week. So we'll, we'll monitor the concussion. What did you see out of the, this past game in week one? Well, the Raiders, I mean, at the end of the day, they scored 17 points. So not super, not super enthusiastic. And I think going into Buffalo's, uh, I think they're running into a little bit of a buzzsaw here. I, I think so too. Josh Allen threw three interceptions to one player on primetime football. What did you see out of Josh Allen? Is he now washed? I saw people saying that. I'm inclined to think the Jets' defense is really good. Can you just talk some sense into the people out there? I mean, you know, first, you know, apologies to all Jets fans who lost Aaron Rodgers in the you know first few plays of the game. Literal tragedy for football enthusiasts everywhere. But, you know, th- one of the reasons we were bulls on the Jets is because their defense is an exceptional unit. Obviously, you don't want to throw three interceptions against anyone. Certainly don't want to give them the th- one player. But, uh. You know, at the end of the day, Josh Allen's still a great dynamic player that had a bad game against an excellent defense. Thank you. That, that sounds very measured. Guys, Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out all of his work on the 33rdteam.com. He's doing power rankings. Got to love those early in the week. And then middle of the week, you start to see his game previews trickling in, which help anyone that, that does fantasy betting, DFS, just likes to watch the game. With the Bills, James Cook had kind of the role that I expected. It's why I wasn't super high on him in fantasy. He he did lead the team in carries. I thought he might have slightly fewer carries. He had 12 carries to Latavius Murray's two to, to Damian Harris's one. He did have six targets. That was a little more than I expected, but came off the field when the, the team hit the red zone where the only red zone carry actually went to Damian Harris. And if James Cook's not getting touchdowns, It's going to be hard for him to get a ton of fantasy points. I think he's just going to be this kind of boring weekly RB2, RB3 type 
where there might be a few matchups where he blows up on usage. But again, it's hard in fantasy football when you're not getting those high value touches to really make an impact. And then I'll mention that Latavius Murray was the backup, not Damian Harris. Harris had the red zone carry, but it was his only rush attempt of the, the game. And it was kind of interesting to see Latavius Murray a little more involved overall. Gabe Davis was the clear wide receiver too. Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid played almost every snap. They were on the field together throughout most of the game. I'm not ready to start Dalton Kincaid quite yet, but I, I think we're close. I think another week or two, let the rookie get acclimated. Then I think it's officially time for him. Anything to, to add here about what you saw to Dalton Kincaid in his first game? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked me that because I was very, very encouraged by what I saw. Definitely don't drop him. Uh, I'm not real. I'm not ready to b- bet prop overs yet, but he's already on my radar in DFS to a degree, and I think some pretty good days are on the horizon with him. Yeah, I think so too, and I I think some pretty good days are on the horizon potentially for anyone out there that is interested in checking out mybookie.com promo code thirty thirteen. the The Chargers Titans game is going to be a really fun one. I've seen a lot of sports books where the the over is forty five. And there's a lot of juice. And I'm like, man, do I really want the sports book taking that much of a cut? Probably not. Mybookie.com. The When I looked at it, it was minus 110. That is hard to find these days. A nice little minus 110 on over on 45. And I've even seen other books already bumping the total to 45 and a half for Chargers Titans. Guys, if you're interested in this game with, with two offenses that I think are, are going to be able to put up some points in this one, then that's not uh, that's not a, that's not a bad line right there. Over 45 and a half if you're interested. MyBookie.com, promo code 33rd team. Now, with this game, I think the Chargers are going to score 30 points once again like they did last week against Miami. I think it comes down to the Chargers' defense ultimately, Ryan. Are they going to be able to stop a Ryan Tannehill-led team that threw three picks and no touchdown passes in week one? Yeah, I mean, I think they can. Uh, you know, the, the thing here is, though, is you're playing the big dog. Brandon Staley allows teams to run on you by design. So mm-hmm. that's obviously not a good marriage for, for the Chargers. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I think especially after last week, Ryan Tannehill is not exactly someone to be feared right now. So this is a game where I'm either taking the Chargers or passing. That's kind of how I view it too. I just wanted you to say it first. That way people don't criticize me for being a Chargers homer. In the running back room for the Chargers, we're still waiting to see what this ankle sprain's like for Austin Eckler. He did not practice yesterday, though, and I think that was due to injury in part, though it was also due to the the passing of his agent, RIP to Cameron Weiss. Uh, I've actually chatted with him several times. Great stand-up guy. So that's a a tough loss for the the community out there. And I know that, that Eckler was at his funeral yesterday rather than attending practice. We'll see if practice reports come out today and what's going on with the status of Eckler's ankle. Still unclear if it's high ankle, very concerning, multi-week absence, or low ankle sprain, where he probably plays through it. If Eckler misses, Josh Kelly's a top 20 fantasy running back. Even if Eckler plays, I don't think Josh Kelly's the worst flex option this week. People hate Mike Williams. He, God, he's so inconsistent. It's all right, relax. He's my wide receiver 22 this week in fantasy. We're confidently starting him in week two. Because the Titans are a pass funnel defense. Derek Carr just threw for over 300 yards against them. Justin Herbert is going to shred this team. And uh, I think the only Chargers pass catchers that we need to throw caution to would be Gerald Everett, who's in a committee with Donald Parham. That was surprising in week one. And 
Josh Palmer ran more routes than Quentin Johnston, but Quentin Johnston outproduced him. We will not be starting Quentin Johnston, but we'll be very excited to hopefully see him have a usage uptick in his second NFL game. I, I don't know what to make of the running back usage. Ryan, I'll kick this to you in a second. Derrick Henry had 15 carries to Tajay Spears three. Derrick Henry also had 56 receiving yards. Tajay Spears had one. But Tajay Spears did snap, or it was on the field for more snaps than Henry. And Tajay Spears actually out-targeted Derrick Henry. Are you concerned at all with Henry? I actually think, if anything, letting the 29-year-old be on the field less and still giving him all the touches is a good thing. How did you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, you have to manage his workload to a degree and making him a guy, especially like you said, at his age, where he's getting the workload when he's on the field, but Tajay Spears is doing the, you know, like like we used to say with Hogan in New England, like running, you know, wind sprints, essentially. I think that makes <laughs> sense, at least in the short term. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has an ankle injury. He he didn't practice today. I think he's probably going to play, but if he doesn't for some reason, then we can start trailing Burks. Any other comments on this game before we move to uh, an NFC West battle? Yeah, I'll just throw this in there. You know, the Titans have an excellent front. The Chargers have a top 10 offensive line. So that's a strength versus strength matchup where they can mitigate Tennessee's front. And if they can, we just saw Derek Carr throw for over 300 yards against the Titans secondary. The Titans secondary gave up the most yards passing last year. Justin Herbert has an enormous ceiling in this contest. That's what I like to hear. Uh, I've actually looked at some alt lines, trying to see when those come out. We may have a play in our free Discord where we take some kind of Justin Herbert overs this week or – potentially a Mike Williams over after everyone hates him from week one. I will be perusing those alt lines very, very carefully. And we might have something for you guys tomorrow on the player prop happy hour when it'll be the two of us, our own data scientist, Ben Wolby, And we're going to have special guest, Daniel Raz again, coming off of that 20 X hit the pick five on underdog fantasy promo code 33rd. When you sign up for the hundred percent deposit match up to hundred dollars. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. And I don't know why you wouldn't tune into the two of us, plus Ben Wolby, plus Daniel Raz. That sounds like an A team to me. I'm out of breath with how strong the squad <laughs> is. Turning to 49ers at Rams. This one actually is much higher scoring with the game total than I expected. It's at 45 right now. I'm looking at mybookie.com. Wow. I thought it would be at like 41, 42. The, the Rams, yes, they, they looked good on offense in week one, but it was a Seahawks team that looked like they truly didn't want to play football. The Niners are the NFL's best defense. And the Niners, rightfully so, are big favorites, though. Minus seven and a half does feel quite high, given what we saw from the Rams in week one. What are your thoughts on this game? Um, you know, I'll come at it from both angles for the 49ers side. The Steelers achieved consistent pressure, as I expected last week. But Brock Purdy was great in a muddy pocket. My concerns for him are basically over after last week. So I think that's, you know, wheels up for San Francisco. I moved him to the top of my power rankings because of it. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful roster on both sides of the ball. So I think the sky's the limit there. Probably probably the team to beat even in the NFC right now. And on the other side, like you said, the Rams blowing out the Seahawks was the biggest surprise of the week for me. I have all the confidence in the world in Matthew Stafford, but San Francisco's a different animal. They're going to have a major pass rush advantage in this game. I don't see the... Rams wide receivers getting as many opportunities as they did in Seattle. Very curious to see how the Rams defense holds up to in this contest. Yeah, same here. They, I think they severely overperformed last week, but uh, that's a sample of one. 
another way to put it is after this week, we will essentially be doubling our sample size with every single player, with every single team. And that's very important for someone like myself who worships the numbers, worships them. One number I'm worshiping is Debo Samuel's dot. We're not going to talk about Brandon Ayuk. We're all starting him. We know he was great in week one, yada, yada. I, I was concerned about Debo Samuel this offseason. I didn't like that his average depth of target was four to five yards each week last year. The dot was 10 yards last week. That's a real NFL receiver. It was good to see them letting him play some receiver. I was kind of concerned that they'd keep manufacturing touches and it's, it's a lot to ask for a guy to have that many yards after the catch each reception where if Brandon Ayuk's running two to three yards farther downfield, that's a huge advantage for him in fantasy. It was good to see Debo return to a normal role. And I'm not starting the, the Rams running backs this week. Kyron Williams has usurped Cam Akers in my fantasy rankings for this team. I have Kyron Williams, RB 36, Akers, RB 43. Williams had fewer carries, but he had a lot more work in the red zone and at the goal line. And Williams had 28 routes run to Cam Akers too. Cam Akers, not quite droppable, but oh boy, is he getting close. Everyone wants to know where I have Puka Nakua. Go to the 33rdteam.com to see my fantasy rankings and you'll know where Puka Nakua is sitting. And I'll tell you if you're listening to the podcast. I've got him wide receiver 32. It's a tough matchup, guys. I've got Zay Jones wide receiver 31. 51-point game total with the Chiefs. we got to go Zay Jones there, the wide receiver too. But I did put Puka against my own will. I was pressured by the people. I do have him one spot ahead of the exciting rookie Jordan Addison who plays tonight because the, the Eagles are a good pass defense. Now, let's turn to Giants-Cardinals. Ryan, I'm tossing to you. You're the resident Giants fan in many ways. Your fandom is tried and tested each week. Last year was a good year for you. Week one this year was as bad as it gets, losing 40-0 yeah. to the Cowboys. Talk to me about Daniel Jones and if there's any hopes for them now that they get the cakewalk of the Cardinals this week. Yeah, it's not fun when the when the game's over five minutes in an opening day, you know? And this one against Arizona, this on Daniel Jones, you want to get paid, you go win this game. That said, left tackle Andrew Thomas is on the injury report. Good chance he misses this contest. The Cardinals got better pressure than expected against Washington last week, so that's that's the big matchup for me here, but still, if, if you're not, if you're Daniel Jones, you got to go beat the Cardinals. Yeah. The, the way I'd frame this is if the giants lose to the Cardinals in week two, their season's over. And I already posted in the 33rd team discord. I hit the giants money line at minus 185. That has risen to minus 250. And I said, guys, I think I'd tap out around minus 220. Again, minus 250 on nearly every sports book, mybookie.com promo code 33rd team. I'm looking right now at their live. Uh, feed they have the giants at minus 220 so if you're having fomo i don't love minus 220 right now at this point i think that's kind of like the max of where i take it but if you were about to hit that at minus 250 on another book please do not do that please just go to my bookie where it's much better it's minus 220 that's a big difference from minus 258 on many other books now with the giants i have daniel jones at quarterback 11 i know our own ben wolby has, our data scientist hasn't projected for 20 fantasy points. Quarterback 11 this week. Fight the PTSD. Start him in week two against the Cardinals. Start Saquon Barkley. Start Darren Waller, assuming he plays. That's it for the Giants. On the, the Cardinals side, the only guy I'm starting, believe it or not, is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz led all tight ends in my expected fantasy points model in week one. And you might be like, Josh, that sounds like a terrible model because it's 32-year-old Zach Ertz. And to that, I would say wrong. Zach Ertz had 10 targets. 
He had two of those targets in the red zone. One of them even came in the end zone. I don't know if you can do much better than that in terms of pure usage from your fantasy tight end. Everyone out there, please drop Rondale Moore. Ran the fourth most routes on the team. Michael Wilson, the round three rookie, played over him. That's pretty disgusting. Bye-bye, Rondale Moore off the fantasy bench. Now, the the Cardinals here, I, I've already taken the Giants' money line myself. Do they have any path to victory in this one? I, I guess like the, the positives, Sam Howell took six sacks last week. That might be in the cards for Daniel Jones. Is that kind of the path you have is that they just put too much pressure on Daniel Jones once again? Yeah, and there's two core things they need here. That's the first one. Take advantage of Andrew Thomas being out or limited. Get pressure on Daniel Jones. Every quarterback is a different player when they're pressured, but some handle it better than others. For instance, Tom Brady versus Geno Smith, night and day in that realm. Daniel Jones is not a very good quarterback when he's under duress. He's not a very good quarterback when he's uncomfortable. So if you're the Cardinals and you're going to win this game, that's step one. Step two is, you know, Wink Martindale brings heat. And we saw on Monday night or Sunday night, rather, Brandon Cooks got, got deep once. It was just an underthrown ball. I think you can get a shot player two out of Hollywood Brown. You can literally create two scoring drives on two plays in that scenario. That's what I'm looking for if I'm betting on the Cardinals. Unfortunately, you're going to have to talk about them one more time, Ryan. With the Cardinals, I'm not going to make you talk about Josh Dobbs, but did you see anything from week one that would make you encouraged for whenever Kyler Murray returns? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, Hollywood Brown's a good player. I actually think the offensive line was a little bit better than I was expected in a really tough matchup. I wouldn't say they were good. I still have them as a bottom tier unit, but they were better than I expected. And, you know, at the end of the day, Kyler Murray, I know people don't like him. You know, the video game stuff, I get it. But he's like kind of a unicorn athlete. Very few people can run as fast as he can while being as an effective passer as he is. So he's one of those guys who can carry a team, and he has in the past. Let's now turn to Jets at Cowboys. But before we do, remember, follow Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. No one talks about football the way that he does. Now, Jets at Cowboys, uh, the game total, oh, boy, it's low. 38 points. Cowboys, nine-point favorites. I think that's a little disrespectful to the Jets defense, but uh, also uh, it's Zach Wilson. Ryan, I'm going to I'm gonna put it this way. Is Zach Wilson about to be Daniel Jones in this matchup where he faces the Cowboys and the offense literally cannot get anything going? Yeah, this is a bad situation for the Jets offensive line, especially if they have to play from behind. So in short, yeah, I, I think we're going in that direction. I thought so too. We don't need to spend too much time on that. Uh, it's a brutal week for the Jets. Got Garrett Wilson, wide receiver 21. Might move him down a little bit more. It's, oh God, it's bad. The The only bright spot I'd say is Brees Hall. I have him at running back no. 20 for the week. Dalvin Cook is kind of touchdown dependent. I, I think he's a thin play with no Rodgers there anymore. With, with Brees Hall, he had 10 carries to Cook's 13, but Cook had 33 r- rush yards on 13 carries. Brees Hall had 127 carry, or rush yards on only 10 carries. 12.7 yards per carry. Brees Hall also caught one of his two targets for 20 yards. The, the guy's a big play threat already. The workload's probably going to go up each week. I think this team might become even more running back centric with Zach Wilson instead of Aaron Rodgers. So I think Brees Hall is a, a pretty decent start, even in a, a terrifying matchup. What do you have here for the, the Cowboys now for fantasy football or for, for how you see the game? And then I'll drop some fantasy notes for them. I mean, the Jets' defense is excellent. We saw them shut down Josh Allen on, on Monday night, rather. And, you know, but the thing is, the Cowboys, are just, they're just such a very – they're a complete team. Dak Prescott's at least a borderline top-10 quarterback. He's probably right around 10 for me. 
top five offensive line when everyone's healthy. Tony Pollard's an explosive back. Looks like Brandon Cooks might miss some time, so that, that down picks the quality of their wide receiver group. But they're just a good offense that can beat in a number of ways. But, like, again, the Jets' defense is a top-five unit. That's why we were bullish on the team going into the season. So I, I do think New York can keep this close just through the defense alone. That's where that's what I'm thinking, too. Brandon Cooks is going to be out at least two, maybe three weeks, according to all the the injury experts on the Twitter sphere. He has a sprained MCL. It was officially confirmed. I'm not starting Michael Gallup, and I'm not starting Dak Prescott. I've got quarterback 15 this week. You're like, Josh, who, who do I start instead? I, I have Brock Purdy, quarterback 14. I think him against the Rams, that just feels like a little bit safer of a matchup for, for fantasy points in that regard. Ryan, anything to add before we move on to our next game? I mean, again, like if you're going to bet on the Jets, you're looking for like a 17-13 game. You know, you have a very narrow path, but it does exist. Let's talk about the the commanders at the Broncos. Game totals low. It's so many boring games when it comes to fantasy points. 39 game total. Broncos three and a half point favorites at home with the, the commanders. Brian Robinson, as I mentioned on Monday was the absolute bell cow. I hope that continues. I already mentioned earlier. I'll mention it again. That Sam Howell guys, he took six sacks against the Cardinals. I think he could be in for a, a rough day against the Denver defense and Sam Howell. I like that. He had the rushing touchdown, but he still ran just twice for 11 yards. That's not going to get it done. His 202 passing yards on 31 attempts versus the Cardinals. Isn't going to get it done. I'm not super enthusiastic about a single commander's pass catcher this week. Is there anything to get excited about here aside from maybe we're, we're playing Brian Robinson because hashtag volume. Yeah. I agreed there. You know, just to hit on these two things quick commander's defense is good. Didn't leave week one with any more Sam Howell enthusiasm than I had before opening day. And I, I wasn't super bullish on him then. On the, the Broncos end, it's not that exciting either. We hope Jerry Judy plays. Marvin Mims barely played. He was fifth in routes run despite Judy not playing. If Marvin Mims doesn't take some kind of leap forward in week two with routes run, then I'll be dropping him in fantasy. We just simply can't have a guy on our bench that's running 10 routes a week when the wide receiver one's not even active. The Denver running backs are fantasy running back threes. I, I wish I could say more positive things about them, but... Javante Williams led the group in carries. Samaje Piran led Javante Williams in routes run. Looks like a true 1A, 1B, or double 1A committee. They're both going to be fine in fantasy. Neither looks exciting on a week-to-week basis. Anything to add about Russell Wilson and his first start? To me, it was underwhelming. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, he was he was more efficient than he was last year, but again, they they scored 16 points against the Raiders. Like there's there's nothing to get happy about there. And you know, like you said, Judy will be a boost. Um, you know, but 16 points against the Raiders is not what anyone's looking for. They lost a lot of games under similar conditions where the defense played very well mm-hmm. and the offense provided nothing. I agree. Let's turn to Sunday night football. We've got three games left, folks. We've got the Dolphins at the Patriots. Dolphins, three-point favorites. Game total is 46 and a half. It's a nice hefty one. If anyone's looking at the stat sheets, they're going to see that Tua threw for over 400 yards. Mac Jones threw for over 300 yards. Do you think this can be a shootout? And do you think Vegas might be right in assuming a, a pretty high game total here? I, th- I think it certainly can. You know, we talk about this all the time. The Dolphins have been stacking speed. We love Mike McDaniel. Tua, Tua's a stud when he's when he's protected he literally lit up the chargers last week 
But, you know, he's had some struggles against Belichick. Belichick's did a good job against this team. If anyone can figure out how to handle Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, it's Bill Belichick. So I think that I think my answer is it could be. I'm not sure it's going to be, though. When it looks uh, fantasy-wise, uh, Raheem Mostert has some kind of knee injury. I think even if he plays, I'm not super enthusiastic about him. The team only ran 13 total times last week, yet two have passed 45 times. It seems like they're just really, really leaning into the pass game, which, I mean, Mostert, he scored last week. We, we like touchdown upside. This is a great offense. I don't think any running back is just going to get that much work, at least early in the season. And then I think if you're like, all right, Give, give me something exciting about the Dolphins that, that's not named Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. I've got you. Tight end Durham Smythe. If you're in a deep league, Durham Smythe actually ran more routes than Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. He had seven targets, which was second on the team. One of those targets even came in the end zone. He caught three of them for 44 yards. Hey, we, we might have Durham Smythe as a, a borderline tight end one type each week because we like this offense. At least I to monitor. I'm not crazy about starting him in week two against the Patriots, but I, I don't think it's the craziest thing to pick him up off of waivers. If you do need tight end help with the Patriots, as we talked about since the signing, it was a pretty close committee between Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. That's partly why we weren't enthusiastic about Stevenson and fantasy football. Stevenson got there last week. He caught all six targets for 64 yards I do not believe Ramondre Stevenson is going to have 12 fantasy points on the through the air each week, especially not when Zeke Elliott actually out-targeted him with seven targets of his own. Ramondre had 12 carries to Zeke's seven. I'd say at this point, Ramondre Stevenson is just a fantasy RB2. There's nothing exciting about it, and Zeke is kind of a flex play. In the, the passing game, it was great to see Mac Jones throw for over 300 yards. I'm still not that interested in Kendrick Bourne. I know he had the big week one. We've seen six full seasons out of him. His career high is 74 targets. That simply does not get it done. The guy I would pick up is Hunter Henry. Very strong tight end usage. Another one along with Durham Smythe. A lot of interesting tight end pickups. And we can drop Juju Smith-Schuster. He tied for the fourth most routes run on the team. And he did absolutely nothing. He looked cooked in this matchup. I don't know why we should be interested in like the fourth, fifth, sixth option here. If you want a super deep pickup, you could pick up Kayshawn Boutte, the rookie six rounder ran the second most routes in this game, which was very surprising to me. He didn't catch any of his four targets, but he was targeted once in the red zone, once in the end zone. That's at least interesting for deep leagues. Anything else that you want to add here, Ryan, on the, the Patriots? I mean, a big part of management in literally any business is putting people in positions to exceed. Mac Jones is a quick processor. He's accurate in the short to intermediate game. And his first game under Bill O'Brien, they kind of set him up to succeed, played to his strengths. That's very encouraging. And on the other side of the ball, Miami did a very good job pass protecting last week, despite Taron Armstead being down. I think New England could give him a bit more problems in that area this week. So if this game goes under, I think the Patriots pass rush is going to be a factor. Let's turn to the, the final two games on the slate, both Monday night. Saints at Panthers. Uh, I don't need to say too much here. It's going to be another big day for Derek Carr in this passing offense. You can check my fantasy rankings. You'll see that I'm high on several of the Saints pass catchers. And then I am once again starting Jamal Williams. People hated that I told you to start him last week. Sorry, guys. Uh, he had 18 of the 19 running back carries, and he ran 24 routes to Tony Jones's five. Yeah. 
if you can have a running back getting 18 carries with 24 routes run each week, that's like fantasy RB1 usage. Sorry he didn't have the fantasy points. This Panthers team just got torched by the, the Falcons run game. I think Jamal Williams has great usage once again, and I think he, there's, it's a major, major bounce back. I am confidently starting him in week two. What are your thoughts here on the Saints? First, that's Jay Larky tweets. If you have any start sit questions, waiver wire questions, drop in our free Discord. Josh has it as his pinned tweet. Now, for the for the matchup on this side of the ball, Panthers have a solid defense, but they're down cornerback J.C. Horn. That's the best player in their secondary. Saints aren't completely relying on one weapon. And like you said, Jamal Williams, I like him much more this week. He's in a much better matchup than he was against the Titans front. So wonderful usage. I'm gonna end up I'm gonna end up playing Jamal Williams and the captain in some of my showdown lineups on Monday. I was thinking the same. Everyone out there is going to rush with the shiny Rashid Shahid, and yeah. I'm just going to go with old Jamal Williams. Yeah. When we turn to the Panthers, look at their running back room. Miles Sanders had good usage. We like 18 carries. We like that he had six targets. That was a surprise to me. But Chuba Hubbard was pretty involved. He had nine carries on his own, and Chuba ran a lot of routes. Not quite as many as Sanders, but it was close. And Miles Sanders, yes, 18 carries for 72 rushing yards looks good at face value. I I know next-gen stats thought he left a full yard per carry on the table in week one. Chuba was much, much more effective. Chuba had nearly as many rushing yards on half the carries. And the, the last note is Hayden Hurst is a fine tight end pickup. Saints are generally pretty good against tight ends. I'm not all that enthusiastic about him this week, but I think potentially rest of season, he might do something. The Saints shut out Chagosium Okonkwo last week. I think they allowed, if I'm correctly, two total touchdowns to tight ends last year. Just a, a unit that's always prioritized stopping the position. What did you see from, from Bryce Young before we move on to our final game of week two? I mean, you know, plain and simple, he doesn't have a great supporting cast on offense. This week, the Panthers are also down their two starting guards, which is problematic. The Saints pass rush isn't what it used to be, but that's still not good for a rookie quarterback who doesn't have great wide receivers. But, you know, I, I saw I saw a few things that I liked. He's a quick decision maker, good athlete. Uh, you know, we talked about this back when we did our rookie draft guide. I think Bryce Young's going to end up running more than he did in college just because of the dynamic of the offense. Saw a little bit of that on opening day. And I'm going to throw this out here too, Josh. I thought Shovel Hubbard looked better than Miles Sanders last week yeah I, I thought so too it looked a little more explosive uh you and i have just never been extremely high on miles sanders and i i don't think anything from week one led us to believe that we were incorrect so we'll we'll play wait and see but it wouldn't surprise me if, if hubbard gets a little bit more work even than he did last week and keeps chipping in and next thing you know it's a a Najee harris jalen warren situation which speaking of Let's talk about our second Monday night football game Browns at the Steelers. We have two premium defenses. The game total is so low. It's 38 and a half. And uh, I think it might go over that. Uh, other books already have that at 39 and they're kind of reacting to where the money's going. Mybookie.com, the sponsor of the show still has them at 38 and a half. So if you're in on that sharp action, wanting to move that game total up to, to 39, then go ahead mybookie.com promo code 33rd team you can see right there for anyone out there that doesn't know how to spell that or doesn't know how to give our promo code 33rd team check the banner on the stream get a 10 percent deposit match when you sign up and also get the better number on that game total 
Now we do have the two strong defenses, as I mentioned. Deshaun Watson still doesn't look like his old self. Kenny Pickett will be playing without Deontay Johnson, who has a hamstring injury. How are you seeing this one, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, if if Watson plays like he did last week, where he was you know short hopping people all day, this looks like more of a defensive contest. Um, you know, especially with how well the Browns' defense played last week, they look right now. They look like they have a top five defensive front and a top five secondary. And like you said, Pittsburgh's down Deontay Johnson. You know, these are division rivals that are familiar with each other, so anything can happen in these games. But yeah, I'd probably lean towards an under myself if I had to. Yeah, I think that's probably where I'm leaning. So I like that my bookie has the lower number. I haven't bet it, but I think it's worth noting that some of the sharp action did think it's a slight over. I think you and I would probably disagree. And that's yeah. all right. Now, on the the Brown side, I think we can probably start Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore had seven targets, the same as Amari Cooper. He also had two carries for 19 yards. It looked like there was a concerted effort to get him the ball. Deshaun Watson didn't look great, but I did like how involved Elijah Moore is. And I think we both agree that he's a, he's a pretty dynamic player. Now, on the other side, there is a receiver I'm looking at as a possible start. His name's Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson led the team last week with eight targets and he had very few air yards, which I like. I think Kenny Pickett's under pressure a lot. Once again, I think he looks rather than Pickens deep downfield trying to win his route three seconds in. I, I think Allen Robinson on some short slants for the middle of the field might get a little more usage than people think this week. I think he's kind of the, the sneakiest flex type play. If you need somebody in your dumpster diving, Allen Robinson, welcome to the team. Calvin Austin might fill in for Deontay Johnson. I know you're higher on him, so I'll save how he looked for you. The The last thing I'll note is that Pat Fryermuth dealt with a chest injury, so he he missed some time during week one. I have him as tight end seven this week. I'm very optimistic. What I did love is that, yeah, he only had four targets. He barely played. But on those four targets, three of them were in the end zone. Oh, my goodness. Hello, potential more touchdowns for Pat Fryermuth. He did get in the box in week one, and he might get in the box once again in week two if that type of usage continues. Do you have anything to say about Calvin Austin where we're not starting him in fantasy, but for real football, like how much of Deontay Johnson can he kind of make up for? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have a great answer to that question, but let me put it this way. When the Giants took Wandale Robinson in the second round last year, one of the reasons I was annoyed because Calvin Austin's basically the same player and he went in the fourth round. So I like him. I thought he looked pretty good on opening day. Uh, you know, again, volatile situation, not crazy about the matchup this week, but if I'm in a deep league, I'm, I'm, I'm taking them and stashing them guys. We've gotten through all 32 NFL teams before we get some survivor analysis from Ryan to close the show reminder that this show is free. Everything on the 33rd team.com is free right now. Make sure you're checking out all the work from Ryan all of his game previews, his power rankings. Make sure you're checking out my fantasy rankings on the site. We're going to have a lot of player prop bets in our Discord. We're going to have a lot of other football talk in there as well. Make sure that you hop into our free Discord linked in all of our articles from myself, from Ryan, from mybookie.com, from Underdog Fantasy. So many people out there to thank. And let's just close out, Ryan. Talk to me about Survivor because this is a brutal, brutal week for anyone playing. And I need to know what to do. I mean, I, I think if you want to go safe, there's two options that are in a real strong position, Buffalo and Dallas. I'd be more surprised if Buffalo lost than Dallas. 
And then, you know, what's interesting about this is Buffalo goes to Washington next week, so they're u- usable. Dallas goes to Arizona, where that's probably a better a better case for them. I think for my main team, I'm also comfortable with taking Josh Allen early since he takes so much contact. Same reason I took Lamar Jackson in week one. I, I want to take safer teams early when I can because we don't know who everyone is yet. But here's the thing. If you're going to be aggressive, the Giants are the third option. They should beat Arizona. The left tackle injury is pretty concerning. Um, but if you can't go beat Josh Dobbs when you just got blown out 40 to nothing, this game's on Daniel Jones. And if Daniel Jones loses to the Arizona Cardinals, he should void his contract himself. 